Feeling a little imbalanced? Downtown's Healthcare can help. Their friendly team of medical experts will tailor highly optimized chronic pain, aesthetics, and men's and women's health procedures to fit your lifestyle. Give us a call to get started, 303-292-9992. On another episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we're hitting the wild west of all roads where our heroes find threats that are much scarier than titans. That's right, they're up against humans. This is season three, part one of Attack on Titan. Right after these ads, we have no control over. You've inspired me now. Let me see what I can do here. When it's time to give a truly special gift to that special someone in your life, why not turn to a jeweler you can trust? Solomon Brothers Jewelers is a family-owned business that's earned Atlanta's trust for decades with high quality, low prices, and the largest selection. Solomon Brothers has thousands of wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds in stock. Shop Solomon Brothers online at SolomonBrothers.com, SolomonBrothers.com, or stop by stores with locations in Buckhead or Alpharetta and experience the best. Sing along if you know the words. One, two, three, it's time for animation, deliberation, a conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yay-haw! <laughs> back. <laughs> this is Animation Deliberation, the podcast where we take action animation seriously and obviously not too seriously. Obviously. I'm your host, Yahara Lee. Joining me today is my valiant co-host fellow scout jay scotty sinclair how are you buddy feeling great it's good to be back i absolutely love the intro there you inspired me <laughs> <laughs> you know with with this show being of such like germanic vibes and everything it really threw me off that when like this new set of villains were all like wild west mm-hmm. yeah and just the the whole vibe of it you know the the main guy was named kenny the ripper with a with a cowboy hat and everything, and just everything about it was just kind of like, this is so out of place, but it's so funny. <laughs> and like, as, as cool as the vibes were, and as, as awesome as the action sequence was with it, you just, you can't look past all of that. <laughs> yeah, we've got characters named like Armin, Berthold, Reiner, and then there's Kenny. <laughs> just out of the blue. <laughs> and just the way that he yells at Kenny! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, whoa, Good that's stuff. how an episode's going to end. <laughs> you just, our favorite character just aggressively yelling, Kenny? <laughs> like, am, I right, am I watching the right show? I could have sworn this was South Park for a second. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, so um, we've got feedback from a few of our listeners. But on top of that, all, we also want to hear the feedback of what you thought of season two before we carry on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think you guys, you and Andrew did a phenomenal job covering season two. It was definitely very much a continuation of season one. But, you know, having watched as much of season three as we have at this point, it feels almost like season 1.2 rather than season two, whereas season three really feels like season two, if that makes sense. But I loved all the reveals. Um, I agreed with the kind of uh, nonchalant revelation of Bear Tolton Reiner as our colossal and armored Titan. All the backstory that we got for Emir, I think, you know, posed more questions than, than gave us answers, really. Um, some really interesting stuff there. But uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And I have a hard time putting the show down. Um, I said it before, but I feel very much like a ravenous titan when it comes to this show i just want to gobble 
all the episodes down. <laughs> as long as you're not vomiting them back up. No, I'm more like the jaw titan in that regard. I just chomp oh. them all down. <laughs> Do we want to tell the listeners? Uh, so this is the first part of our coverage of uh, season three. Do we want to let them know which episode specifically? I know we've detailed that in our social media post, but just to point it out yeah. up top. Yeah, so this is the first half of season three, which is covering 38 through 49. And mm-hmm. when the series aired, when the season specifically aired, this is actually where they had their midseason break. Mm-hmm. So they cut it off at this point and then um, had a November, December, January, February, March, April, four, no, six month gap. Six. You're going to make us wait four years and then six months between episodes. Like, I think they understand that we have this tightness nature of wanting to gobble these down, which is why they're cutting them up i mean you guys have had the luxury of getting to watch it all together but yeah man, four years between each season is just ridiculous yeah it's it's pretty crazy and it does it's some of the feedback that we've gotten in the past but it kind of makes me wonder how it would kind of skew my perspective on the series as a whole if i weren't able to like go from season to season without any pause or any interruption and would i you know lose some of those little details here and there that like add to this overarching story and mystery. I think I probably would, but uh, it just, you know, I'm spoiled and I'm grateful for the fact that I get to watch it the way I am. <laughs> I did have to wait a long time after watching my first viewing of season one, I will say, but after that, it was kind of out of sight and out of mind for me. So before we hit this feedback from our listeners, one of the things that I want to touch on since we're talking about this time gap is I was really thrown off when season three started when I was watching because it did not click me to the fact that our voice actors have aged in this time. Mm. This is eight years from when they did their first episode. Wow. So when you when when this is supposed to be like picking up right where you left off from season two and everybody just hit puberty, <laughs> it has like a significantly deeper voice. Like I was just listening. I was like, like whether you're listening in Japanese or English, this is weird. This is really yeah, freaking weird. I sure. mean, it, it was more fitting to the characters, but the first couple of episodes were just such an adjustment of like, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I can't remember which episode specifically, but I think um, we got a little bit of like a timeline where it had only been like four months since like the time that they they got their first like battle, like after training and whatnot, right? Yeah, so from when... The wall got attacked after they finished their time as cadets. Right. To this current time has only been four months. And two of the months has been after the events of like what happened. So like mm-hmm. a majority of this nonsense happened in the span of two months. And one of those months was like Aaron cleaning up that base and getting ready for his mission. Like, wow, that's insane. That's traumatic. Yeah. Life ain't easy in the walls or outside no. the walls for that matter. <laughs> They're trying to get more outside the walls. They're tired of this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. So I'm going to hit TJ's email first because he sent us an email and a voice message. So the email is more about the show. Voice message is more about attack on Titan. Sorry, our show. The voice mm. is more about attack on Titan. Then we got Gillian who talks only attack on Titan. So our email from TJ Stafford I must have missed the news about the SWAT Cats reboot, but I am so pumped. I used to love that show, and I'm very disappointed you can't stream it anywhere. 
I know how busy you guys are just trying to keep up with all this latest animated content, but I'd love someday to hear some coverage on some older shows. Like you, I was born in 1990, so I think we grew up with a lot of the same animated shows. I love Batman the Animated Series and the associated DC Animated Universe, Gargoyle, SWAT Cat, Spider-Man, the X-Men from the 90s. Later, we got shows like Spectacular Spider-Man, The Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, just to name a few. Zuhair, you also frequently bring up the DC Animated Movie Universe, and I would love to see you do some coverage on these films, because they do not get enough love. Finally, you casually mentioned doing an episode on Mask of the Phantasm, and all I have to say is yes, please. I've mentioned before that movie was one of, if not if, the first film I'd ever seen in a theater, and it was my gateway to both animation and other superhero media. It remains, to this day, one of my favorite films of all time. I don't want this to come off as criticism, because it's not as all. I love your cast, and I look forward to listening to all your thoughts on the latest animated shows. I just want you guys to give yourselves a chance to geek out over some of the classic stuff, too. You guys are awesome, and I will continue to tune in every week. Stay well, I'm TJ Stafford. Right on, TJ. I appreciate a couple of things out of that email. Um, number one, when he said he will continue to tune in, tune in excuse me, that is T-O-O-N. He used that the correct way. And it's worth mentioning that the subject of this email is, it's okay, Jay Scotty, I'm old too. Um, <laughs> referring to our Batmanimation episode where we kind of took a stroll down memory lane and uh, there was a little bit of a moment where you and our special guest, um, Reed Murphy and Emily Sissel, uh, were vibing a little bit more on the shared um, WB mornings that I could not uh, relate to quite <laughs> as much. So I appreciate that feedback, TJ. Yeah, and just kind of like, cards on the table like all this stuff is in the books but you know sadly this is not our primary jobs and we do have other things to Mm -hmm. do outside of this um so you know we're just happy that we get the chance to podcast uh tj it's your pandiversary and you know you were talking about how this network's done a lot for you it's done a lot for us as well and you know just getting the opportunity to to talk about the stuff that we love and in the frequency that we do is definitely a blessing in its own so when the opportunity presents itself yes we definitely want to hit the solar content we definitely want to hit that dc stuff but for the time being it's just a matter of like whatever we can get out to you in the time that we can you know we're just we're happy to do it but it's on our radar and we're going to do the best to get to it when we can well said well said all right so now let's hear the voice of tj stafford hey guys Real quick, I just wanted to say that I'm really enjoying your coverage on Attack on Titan, and it's been a pretty interesting experience, because I believe this is probably the first time on any show that you've covered that I've actually been ahead of you, so I know the answers to all the questions you guys are asking on air, and I find myself screaming at the top of my lungs trying to tell you the answers, but I know you guys will get there real soon. Also, Zoo, I'm glad you're finally watching Arcane, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. Hope to hear your thoughts on it when you finish. Also, I can't wait to hear what you guys have to say when you eventually talk about Legend of Vox Machina. Just so you know, it might take a couple episodes for you to really get into it, but once the story gets going, I think you'll really enjoy it. Anyway, that's all I have to say this time. Keep up the good work, guys. Have you had a chance to watch any of it yet? Not yet, but uh, I've been keeping my um, ear pretty close to the pulse, and I like what I'm hearing, the comparisons to... Invincible definitely bode well. I kind of like it when when things gets a little more gory, and then the fact that uh, we do have, you know, um, if I'm not mistaken, it's the same animating team from Young Justice, correct? I 
believe so. Okay, so yeah, that, that just sounds like a winning combination to me. And I've said it on the podcast before, while I have never played D&D myself, I'm definitely a fan of the fantasy genre. I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan, and I've always kind of been right on the periphery of uh, D&D. And I actually, not to get on too, off on too much of a tangent, but um, I've been hearing a lot about D&D lately, and specifically one of the offshoots called Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll get a Pathfinder series uh, before too long. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Invincible. Did you hear that uh, there's a show called The Boys Presents Diabolical? I have heard all about that, but I have yet to watch that one as well. But I, It just premiered recently, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. More to co- I think we're starting to hit that uh, that content overload season. <laughs> <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, we need to finish AOT quick. Yeah, because Young Justice, the rest of Young Justice season four is just around the corner too. So yeah, it seems like it. It's a good time uh, to be a fan of animation. So on the other thing that you know, TJ said is that he's been he's caught up, and I gotta say that I've been lucky that none of the stuff from season four has been spoiled for me yet, except for how some of the characters look. Hmm. Uh, so I'm pretty relieved that like I'm still kind of left in the dark about what's happening, and you know, big shout out and big thank you to all of our listeners who don't spoil it for us and just let us enjoy the ride. Definitely, definitely, this show. I'd almost say, you know, in addition to the high octane action, the just fidelity of the animation, the really endearing characters, like more, almost more than half the fun is this mystery that's slowly been unraveling. And if I feel like every time we get more answers, we get more questions, but mm-hmm. it's what makes it so bingeable is just wanting yeah. to get one more little clue and more, more, more little detail and going into it non-spoiled has been an absolute delight. So yeah, I concur. It's like a, it's a, it's like a Levi interrogation where we just keep pulling nails, hoping that we get some answers from the series. Uh, mm. Speaking of people not spoiling for us, we have feedback from Gillian Kurtick, and mm. I got to give a shout out for how she sent this feedback. She sent us a Google Doc that has all of the parts sectioned out with how we're recording, but she has all of the text in white. So because she's caught up, but she still has stuff she wants us to talk about. So this is this is this is probably what's going to get us going, but. She has all the text in white so that as we watch, we can like change the font to black and actually read it without any of the future stuff getting spoiled for us. So genius. And we appreciate that level of caretaking to make sure it's not spoiled. But the two questions that she has is with Irvin missing his arm, we see Levi ask him to stay behind. Do we think Irvin would delegate some responsibilities? If so, who do you think is most qualified? Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, my first thought goes to Levi. He seems to have this inherent trust in in Levi um, and his ability as well as his somewhat calculated nature. The more we've learned about Irvin, um, the more we've learned that he's basically just taking gambles and um, a lot of his motivations have been a little more selfish than originally thought. Mm-hmm. So... If not, if not Levi, I would go with um, ha- Hanje, Hange. Hanji, Hanji. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. That's that's who I'm leaning towards, hundred percent. Yeah, because with her, like she's actually the, she's more of the brains of the operation, and mm-hmm. while she does have her, you know, psychotic, happy scientist moments, <laughs> Erwin takes pride in 
being the face of the scouts. He's mentioned that a couple of times this season. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Hanji fits that uh, pedestal a little better. Oh, I could see in that. In terms of like talking to the politics, talking to the people, coming up with solutions, coming. And like, if Levi is the commander, he's not going to be fighting as much. And I feel like with his skill set, that's not something that you want to limit. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it makes sense for Hanji to stay as the brains and be the commander of the scouts and have Levi as the right hand to just kind of manage his squad and just go be the wrecking ball that him and his guys are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, while we're on the subject of Hanji, I do feel like it's, it's kind of worth mentioning one of the things that kind of popped up in season two that seemed to pay off more in this part of the season was the whole uh, relationship with pastor Nick. Mm-hmm. It seemed like a very antagonistic relationship the last time we really saw her interact with him. But this time around, she really got to show, you know, outside of her aptitude for science and whatnot, she really is kind of a brilliant strategist when it came to, you know, unraveling those two members of the interior police. Yeah, that part was like savage, too, because it was it was like her ability to just deduct everything in the moment and not just react from shock. But then mm-hmm. everything leading up to it, like when she went back to Irvin and Levi, it was just kind of like, oh, by the way, I noticed this and this and this happened and that happened. And because of this, it's leading to this. So we suspect this. I was like, oh, my God, you deducted all of that. Like, you know, we just finished watching Batman, too. And I felt like yeah. that whole vibe just moved over. It's like, you're, you know, contender for world's greatest detective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah, when she like grabbed. I can't remember the guy's name, but uh, when she grabbed his hand and was holding his hand for way too long at that moment, I was just as uncomfortable as him. But the fact that she was taking that opportunity to examine his knuckles was genius. Yeah, because they were talking about like, oh, yeah, we were just the ones who were called when, you know, he was reported dead. It's like, no, you were the one who killed him. And like when they did the little like the artsy flashback thing, like they were just like smiling and on top of the world as they were killing this dude, too. I was like, yeah, that was like. They were making the uh, the younger scouts lose their lunch up there. <laughs> yeah, military police are freaking dark. Oh, yeah. Really for dark. Sure. For sure. Yeah, not not a fan. Uh, so the first part of the series, um, I guess there's no reason to not go in order. Okay. It really is about the political side of things. Mm-hmm. And we talk about how dark the military police is. And one of the things that they do is they they hire Kenny the Ripper and his guys to kind of be enforcers and make sure the scouts stay off of their tail. But the other story that's going on is um, they're kind of framing the scouts for like not succeeding in any of their missions and being a waste. And it's like, you know what? The scouts as a whole is just a waste. Let's disband all of them. And it goes to what I've been saying about like how dysfunctional of a military this is that you're going to take a third of your organization and just not just cancel the branch and relocate them to be garrison or anything. You're just going to put all of them in jail. Right. Right. How does that make any sense? (laughs) None whatsoever. It's like entirely self-defeating and it makes a lot more sense in retrospect when we realize just how, you know, insidious the inner workings of like the Royal families are and, and, how they were maintaining their power for so long. But yeah, just the fact that, you know, 
Irvin would even be put on any kind of trial and like the fact that his execution was up in the air and that they were actually hunting down the people that had been protecting them for years and years and years and the ones that have been putting their lives on the line. It was really difficult to watch and it was super frustrating. Like we as the viewer know that these are our most like heroic characters and they've Mm -hmm. been branded as criminals. Like you get the Batman parallels right there as well. Yeah. Yeah. Even the dialogue with Pixis after everything happens where he was like, I wasn't going to take your side. I'm loyal to the king and that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But this one test is going to determine whether I do that or not. And I'm glad that they like we can assume that he's inebriated based off the first season. But it's sure. nice that they weren't like overemphasizing it this time. Like they were kind of sticking to the script between what the what the three commanders uh, were, were doing business about. Like the MP one. He was just he just lost his mind at the beginning. We already talked about how stupid he is. Just, you know, putting everybody in the brig and this and that. Right. But like. His respect for Irvin is something that made that alone made him question his decision when it came to the point where it's like, seriously doing this like Irvin, like, come on, like Irvin, get it together. Like, what's going on? Mm. So the fact that he holds him to that high regard kind of says a lot, too. And it really did play out into the success of the coup. Yeah. And I got to say that whole moment where, you know, the one, uh, I guess military police member ran in and was like, the wall has fallen again. It's like the same thing all over again. I was, I was, I fell for it hook, line and sinker. I was like, Oh no, we're going through this again. Yeah. But yeah, it was absolutely brilliant and such a just comeuppance for those, those members of the Royal families, as well as the uh, puppet King, as we learned King Fritz was. Yeah. He looked so badass, just like sitting with his hand like on the armrest and everything. It turns out he was just passed out the whole time. And when he finally was just like, huh, what's going yeah, right. on? <laughs> I thought that something was shady when the one dude was like, all right, it's time for the King's decision. But like, they never spoke to him. And he was like, on behalf of the King, I was like, what kind of telepathy is going on over here? Mm. And the person mm. who actually barged through the doors and made that announcement was, uh, Pixis's right hand. I forget her oh, name, okay. but, okay. uh, she was, he was the one that, that she was, she was the one that he was giving commands to at the at the Battle of Tross. So when I saw her, I was like, hmm. Uh, so that was Good that recall. was just so shysty. Yeah. Where they were just kind of like, all right, let's deploy this and do this. Like, Pikes is just ready to go. It's like, no, we're just going to leave everybody out. Close the gates. It's like, I'm sorry, what? It's like, what about? And then the the like section six that he used about like how the priority is. Uh, for all humanity that he accused Irvin of breaking. They were right. just kind of like, huh, interesting how you are ready to just kill a majority of humanity. Hmm. Oh, how the tables have turned. Turned yeah. indeed. Yeah. And they talk about like how, you know, there's the fake king and we have an idea of who the rightful king is at this point because the big reveal of season two was that Krista, now that we know her name is Historia, is mm-hmm. actually, you know, the daughter of royal blood. And right. this season starts off with her and surprise, surprise, Aaron getting kidnapped because you can't have a season without Aaron getting kidnapped. Yeah, it was kind of and, like uh, the whole sequence from season one where we had uh, fake Aaron and fake Armin. But this time it was fake Aaron and fake Krista. 
And once again, we've got Jean playing the role of Aaron to much to the both to both of their dismay. <laughs> Armin is playing Krista. <laughs> and when when that when that one MP like got behind him and started like groping him and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, oh, poor yeah. Armin. Ugh. I don't care which Ugh. one of them this is. This is so dirty and uncomfortable. Yeah. So somebody please beat the daylights out of him. Yeah. That was disturbing. So cringy. I, I love how savage Sasha is with that bow, though. Oh, yeah. She is a beast on multiple levels. Her a appetite as well as her combat prowess. Uh, speaking of combat prowess, the action sequence when um, Levi is just slaughtering all of those other of Kenny's squad. Mm hmm. That whole sequence looked amazing. Like that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. It's just so cinematic. The way that it's just cutting through and the camera's following along with it and all the cuts and moves and just Ah, it looks so cool. I didn't even care that it was human blood that time. <laughs> yeah, and it was so rewarding after having just seen, you know, um Hanji's two confidants be gunned down in cold blood. It was awesome to see. Oh, that sucks. Levi yeah, yeah. It had me pretty worried about the fates of some of our characters. But yeah, Levi comes out swinging. And, you know, they say don't bring a knife to a gunfight. But this is one of the times that you absolutely can. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was kind of annoyed at the first part, just with the specifics of, like, you heard so many gunfires going out. Mm. And I was like, if they still have muskets and cannons that needed to be reloaded every time, like, how are they firing off so many pistol rounds? And then mm. later they do explain, like, you get one shot each and then you have to reload. But, like, with the intensity of that scene, the way that they they made the sound effect sound mm-hmm. made it made it seem like they were actually, like, they had, like, a whole magazine to go through. And I was like, that doesn't quite sound right. Uh, and it, it's one of the things you get in live action as well. There's always a little bit of a suspension of disbelief yeah. when they, they never have to reload. Or if they do, it's not frequently enough at all. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or think, you reload when it's like relevant to the story, like end of the movie, like I'm out of ammo. Yeah, I think Deadpool was like the first movie to really acknowledge that. Yeah, he he was like counting all of the shots. Yep. Um. So yeah, we have the story I kidnapped. You got Aaron kidnapped. Um, the sequence under the temple. My thoughts hmm. on that sequence under the temple. Yeah, that was all incredibly riveting you're referring to when aaron was chained up and historia and gagged yeah um along with her her father what was his name roland rod or rod oh yeah rod Rod. Rod. yeah yeah rod rod rice yeah um i really thought that you know historia was going to take the villain turn i I obviously didn't think that aaron was going to die but i thought that she was definitely going to be injected with that titan fluid and become a pure titan as we know that they're called now um but yeah it was all incredibly riveting as far as the story goes but it was also really hard to watch in terms of like aaron having to learn the truth of what his father did and basically being ready to die just kind of giving up like he's never been my favorite character with his like headstrong and brash kind of nature but it was really difficult to watch him just give up like that yeah, it was it was tough to see because we 
whether it be true or not, we learned a lot about Aaron's dad in that too. Mm-hmm. And to know that like so much of this potentially happened because of his either interference or just his decisions was really hard for him to to fathom because he hadn't seen him in so long. He still clearly isn't over his mom because every mention that comes up, it's like he always like breaks down from that. Mm-hmm. So for him to just finally have that, because this is one of our heroes who's lost a lot. Totally. Like in terms of like, he's lost fights. Sure. Like on his, on his first, you know, outing, he gets eaten and then he yeah. gets beat up as a Titan then gets kidnapped by Annie and then put on um, trial then put on trial then gets beaten up or gets crushed by another titan and then gets found with his arms missing like he's never really won a fight in his life because even as a kid like Mikasa always came to save him so it's like you can imagine just that emotional strain of him just being like oh my god like it's in the family that we're messing up like I'm I'm done just eat me and here's one of right. the things that I don't understand that I kind of want to ask you about. Mm-hmm. Is this like Highlander, where when you eat another Titan, you get their powers? Is that how that works? Or is it just the memory stuff that they were talking about? At this point in time, it seems to be the former, what you said, like, in order to in- inherit the power of like, the Titan that's, you know, I'm struggling on the word that I want to say to it, but the, the Titan that's kind of like tied to the rice family. The we prime saw the, Titan, I guess. Or yeah. The pure saw, Titan. Is that what you said earlier? I think pure Titans are the ones that are more mindless and just kind of roaming oh, okay. around and don't have a speciality, but yeah, um, just the, the Titan that was, you know, attached to the rice family. They obviously passed it down generation from generation. We found that, you know, Frida rice had eaten her uncle in order to inherit that. And then also it's one of the major revelations we get talking about like Grisha not being around for so many years and wondering where he was. We actually saw via flashback that Aaron ate his dad. <laughs> That's wild. Wait, Aaron ate his dad? Yeah. Did I where did I miss that? So during that sequence under the temple when it had when Rod and Krista first touched him and it had the unintended effect of revealing all those memories, it unlocked Krista's memories. It also unlocked Aaron's memories. Now I remember Rod and Astoria touching his back and then him getting the, the, the memory, but it was like of commandeer Keith. Yeah. I don't remember anything about it's, it's not explicit, but you see when it, it's that sequence that we've seen so many times where his father's like, this is your, your duty. You have to avenge your mother. You see Aaron turn into a pure Titan for just a second. And then it's all done from first person's perspective. He basically chomps down on his dad to where the, all that's left is an arm. Huh, I must have forgotten that's, that. that's basically how he inherited the, the attack Titan. Cause we saw his father use the attack Titan to kill pretty much every member of the rice family, except for rod. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't. I must have just slipped during that. Rewatch. It's worth it. Oh darn! <laughs> <laughs> Gotta watch it again. I definitely just need to continue from where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> wow, that's insane. Yeah. Huh. Well, speaking of 
uh, flashbacks on something that I can keep up with. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Frida, and that whole mm-hmm. sequence for Astoria was so heartbreaking too, because she was talking about like with her mother, she always thought that she was alone, and mm-hmm. the one time she tried hugging her, like she just up and left. Yeah. Uh, did they? Did she kind of make her mother's job sound like she was a prostitute? Uh, that was very much the impression that I got. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to make sure I wasn't <laughs> wasn't alone in that. She was like, "Yeah, everybody else worked, and she just got to read, and she got dressed up and left." And I was like, "Oh, oh, yeah, yeah." Because she is a she is a bastard child too. She didn't know her dad until later. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Just want to make sure I was on the same page. That's a other that's other kind of a binge. It's that just things just start to mix up. Um. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just um, I was I was thinking. Yeah, what kind of gives credence to that is the fact that um, Rod did refer to Frida as her half sister. So, hmm. um, I can't remember how well the whole family unit was explained, but I guess he had another another wife that was his official wife that he had Frida and his two hmm. sons with. But then his brother didn't have any offspring whatsoever. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, she thought that she was alone for so long, and then it turns out she had a half sister who saw her all the time and taught her to read and made her happy and made her laugh. She was such a goofball too. Like everything about like her her personality was just so sweet, and it's like oh, I want to see like more of this person. Definitely. But like, Astoria didn't even get to remember any of that. Like she was robbed of that, and then. She just gets to find out that this person that actually was taking care of her and making her happy for so long was killed. And like that was kind of like the deciding factor for her. She was like, no, I don't want to be any part. Like, I'm not your weapon. I'm not your tool. Like anything I do from here on out is going to be like whatever I want. Like, screw your agenda. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for her to take out her dad and then (laughs) not only go to rescue Aaron, which was like really cool, but like her maturity level just like shot up in this moment because when he mm. was just whining, she just smacked him and she was like, shut up and stop being pity for yourself. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, this is what I need to do right now. Whatever you want to do with that. And I was like, yes, yeah. you tell him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like that was a great callback to earlier in the season when they when uh, Aaron and she had that exchange where Aaron told her that he didn't really like the version of her that was like, too nice yeah and was doing everything to appease people and at that point in time i was wondering if there was a potential romance between them because i think even even somebody like made kind of a snide comment i can't remember exactly who but they said we're all here doing work and whatever while you're holding hands with historia or what have you i think it was genre connie yeah that would make (laughs) sense which Kind of wonder how Mikasa feels about that because while their relationship varies much a brother and sister kind of relationship, her level of like intense care for Aaron borders on like, I I don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be romantic love, but I just, I feel like she would have an issue with anybody that might be a romantic interest for Aaron. Yeah. Let's just hope that it's uh, like just her being a protective big sister. Yeah. So but, she refuses. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, I think we were on the on this on the same page there when she refuses the spinal fluid and flips her father over her shoulder and makes him land on his yeah. back, very much breaking his back. Do you think that had a big influence on when he does uh, 
go into his pure Titan form, the fact that he's like crawling around like that, do you think it's because of the broken back? Because a lot of times we see them like heal to some extent, but just his like humongous, like almost caterpillar sandworm esque form, which is totally disgusting. I just, I couldn't help but somewhere in the back of my mind, I was wondering if it was because of the broken back or maybe he's just such a sniveling character. That's why. Um, I was going for sniveling character. Mm. I, I don't think I, I think I was so lost in how grotesque that he looked. That I didn't quite make the connection to the injury, but mm. I, I could see that happening. I really wish I could, I could think of an example of like, I guess it's almost kind of the only example I can think of is like the end of Invincible Hulk where hmm. like the doctor had like a head injury, but then like oh, got okay. in contact with the stuff. So it's like his like his healing and his transformation like happened because of that. But sure. Yeah, man, I wish I could think of a better example of this right now. But yeah, I, I, I fully support the theory that, you know, he the, the the Titan formula was trying to heal itself, but it just kind of like. It was kind of like if you broke a finger and it kind of healed wrong, mm. if you didn't like put it back in place. So the the fluid was just kind of like, oh, this must go here and just kind of like super glues it together. Right. And then I'm... makes him like five times the size of Colossal Titan. Just hideous. Like his personality just became his face. Sure. Sure. Well, speaking of face, we never really get a good look at his face in Titan form until he finally does start to mount the wall and the fact that he's been dragging his face along the entire time. He's just got like the lower part of a jaw and the rest. You can just see the insides of his face. It was very well animated and very gross, and very creepy, but utterly awesome at the same time. I mean, the whole the whole plane with that was so cool, too. Like they're terrified about like the thing mountain and we talk about like, why would the kids look up to the scout unit? When mm-hmm. it was from the perspective of Aaron as a kid. Right, right. And and we do see the level of hope that they provide. And it was cool that they mimicked that with other people. It's like, hey, look at this kid that's watching right now. Like, we have to do this for them. We have to uh, we have to fight and we have to save humanity. And we got to see those cannons used well for the first time because typically they're like just kind of swept off of their positions. Right. So just being able to like shoot down on it and then, you know, try to like just everybody coming in at once and attacking was so cool mm-hmm. and then just mm-hmm. throwing the explosives down his throat it's like yeah let's get the nate from the inside it's like oh <laughs> yeah and he goes flying in a million pieces <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was confused about that sequence too about like that i because the way that they described it made it sound like it was like the nape was in pieces, but it wasn't destroyed. So you had to destroy like every piece. I didn't realize that like they were trying to find like the one spot that was his body, which is story. I got to get the final blow on. Right. Which kind of was the perfect way to end the whole. I want to, I don't want to say full on conflict, but the fact that Irvin wanted to put her in as the, the rightful the rightful ruler, but she didn't want to do that and just be another one that was only a ruler in name or in, in bloodline. She wanted to do something to actually earn the trust and the admiration of the people. And the fact that, you know, she fought back against Irvin and said, no, I need to be on the battlefield when this happens. And I need to be the one that delivers the killing blow. The fact that she was able to do, I don't know what the odds are. I'm not really a numbers guy, 
but uh, it was super satisfying that she got to, you know, get that vengeance against a father that was like such a, I, I know we don't normally cuss, but I'm, I'm going to say just such a piece of shit to her. I'll edit that yeah. out. So, but yeah, very satisfying. Yeah. And she gets to establish like her power as a queen too. Like not only does she have royal bloodline, but like she's not a snooty princess. Like she went through cadet school. She saw the Titan struggle. She's helped people. She's saved people. She's killed Titans on her own. She's killed mm-hmm. this double Colossus Titan, not on her own, but like it's part of a bigger thing. And for her to go through all of that and stand up to higher command and like become a part of royalty, that's objective is to actually save the people and help the people like, during this two month like R and R session that they have, she actually works with Levi to like bring out the orphans from underground mm-hmm. and get people fed and get the processes and the systems and everything like going again. Like she's such a good soul and such a good person, but like she's physically and emotionally strong on top of that now too. Mm-hmm. And for her to be able to use those good graces to you know, lead this country is, is something that humanity really needs. Certainly. She's definitely doing a lot to make up for this, the sins of the rice family uh, previously. Uh, But with that in mind, thinking of like family legacies and whatnot, one of the things um, I feel like we've kind of glossed over is we did talk about Kenny a little bit, but we know that Kenny's last name is Ackerman. And the fact that he actually raised Levi, who mm-hmm. was his nephew. Yeah. And it was, you know, Levi's been referred to as a runt and he's been depicted as much shorter than a lot of like the young characters and whatnot. But to actually figure out why he's like that was pretty great stuff. I mean, not great for him as a character, but it was great, great to learn more about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, like the first time that you see Levi's mother, like she's just dead. Yeah in her bed and she's been like decaying for some time while he's just been sitting helplessly in the corner. Like that was rough. Yeah, it was tough. And I guess it's just in the Ackerman blood because apparently he has a relationship to Mikasa and mm-hmm. even her, like she had a great upbringing, but you know, watching her parents get slaughtered and then having to kill people at a young age, like there must be just some bad juju in that, in that blood. Some bad juju, but some badass fighting skills because they yeah. they both have just such an aptitude. I mean, the fact that their kill count alone is like higher than the whole scout regiment. It's pretty insane. Yeah. And not just Titans anymore. They've racked up quite a human kill count, too, because I'm thinking about, you know, that sequence in the in the caverns under the temple where we really had the last of Kenny's squad kind of picked off and just. That was that was really ingenious the way they like you talked about uh, Sasha's archery there, but just getting to see them like, you know, blow up the oil barrels to create smoke and then mm-hmm. understand that they when their enemies are using this new form of ODM, they can only, you know, point and fire in one direction. So if you can like get behind them after they've done that, you can basically take them out and just as much as I wanted to see those people taken down, I actually felt for them towards the end. I can't remember what um, Kenny's right hand, was it Clavin or something like that? I have no idea to be honest. It was, it was something like that, but yeah. Um, I think Hanji was the only one to really suffer any kind of 
serious blow for them. They were, and they were completely and totally so outnumbered. so scared for her. Yeah. Yeah. It was a close call for sure. And then Connie's always the one that kind of needs rescuing now, too. True. True. It's like, come on, bud, get it together. <laughs> I mean, it's it's really tough for them, too. Like, even in the the first or second episode, Jean was supposed to go for the kill and he was ordered mm, like, Hey, right, right. If you don't, they will kill you. And it's because he hesitated that the girl hesitated. And then right. Armin had to shoot her. And then they had, uh, the debriefing between Armin and Mikasa, where he was like, is that what it felt like for you? Is this how you felt the first time? Like he was truly traumatized. Right, and right. John did not enjoy the experience for obvious reasons, the slightest either. So, for them to have to go in and be like, "Hey, we're gonna kill a bunch of humans so that we can save our friend," but we're just gonna take this giant, giant colossal titan down as well. Like two months. Yeah, <laughs> all this in the span of t- all this is probably in the span of like a day or two, and overall, just right, two right. months. Yeah. Yep. That's bonkers, dude. Yeah, it's these characters have gone through a lot in a short amount of time. But I did want to talk a little bit about uh, more under the under the temple. So we talked about how Kenny was employed by the military police initially to kind of like hunt down the scouts. But then we get the whole revelation that he's been working for Rod Rice for a long time. But he just kind of gets to the point where he's fed up with him. He's like, you know what? I'm not going to let you just take out Aaron. I'm going to give him a fighting chance. Let's see these two fightings like duke oh, it out. Yeah. Yeah. He was just like, I'm just here for the show. Where's my pop-up? Exactly. <laughs> if Attack on Titan, if we've made the comparisons to Batman, he was very much our Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some people just want to watch the world burn. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he was definitely it. But then Aaron was crying instead. Yeah. Yeah. Remind me, did Kenny get hurt during, like, the whole thing collapsing? I believe that's when it went down. Yeah, he. Tr- I think he okay. went. He tried to go back to save members of his squad. We didn't see it happen on screen. I don't think, but we definitely saw the aftermath. Yeah, because Levi just kind of found him with like half his, you know, his face was like burnt. Right. Because uh, we had the steam of two of the Titans kind of messing with everybody, too, because you can't handle that temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only was was Big Boy Rice, you know, breaking through, but Aaron transformed as well and finally learned his hardening technique. Yeah. Which, yeah. Did they say that that's just a Titan thing? Like Titans are able to do that and he's just trying to figure out how? He ate that bottle. Right. Yeah. So I don't know what the revelations are there. So yeah, so we saw him eat that bottle that had some kind of writing on it. And I'm trying to remember at some point. Was it armor? Yes, armor. That's what it was. Correct. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like, what do we talk about outside of recollection? Because so many big things happen, but it's like, it just leads to so many more questions. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't he have a moment where, like, he questioned his ability to, like, read another language? It was, like, a language he didn't recognize? I remember that happening with Amir. Oh, okay. Maybe that was season two that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that could have happened here, but I just... I I definitely remember that happening with Amir. 
yeah, I think that was season two. I think I'm getting things kind of conflated. It's great yeah. that he's got the hardening skill ability now. Yeah. Um, even during the time jump, like we see how he's using it and how he's practicing by like kind of fixing up one of the walls and they kind of have that, mm-hmm. um, the, the log guillotine. Exactly. And yeah. It's like luring in the Titans and letting it go in. But, you know, clearly it has a toll because you know, he's just bleeding out of his nose so much and he can only mm. endure so much of this. Right. Uh, and we got a little scene of like Mikasa giving the deadliest of stairs to Astoria and Aaron when they're like walking and like lifting bags together. Mm. And I didn't think about it when I saw it, but you made the comment of like if she's questioning like a romantic thing. But then yeah, okay. she also scolded him for like, uh, it's like you have your Titan train, you need to relax in between. She's like, I'm not some old man, I can do this. But <laughs> you know, now that you said that, I'm kind of putting the whole romantic thing together too. Yeah, and now that you bring it up, I think that's probably the moment that I was thinking of specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to the look on her face, I was like, oh my god, what is wrong with her right now? I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those moments of levity were a little more few and far between in this particular arc, but uh, we did end things with like a nice feast for the scouts in which we got to see mm-hmm. some old personalities kind of uh, come out again. And it was the source of some great comic relief, if you're asking me. Yeah, while all that was playing out, like, of course, everything with Sasha was just hilarious. Uh, having <laughs> having to tie her down, and she's actually drawing blood from Jean, like she's about to bite his oh, yeah. thumb off. It was insane. <laughs> like I was so scared for him in that moment, but then like when when Aaron and um, Jean were about to fight, like just going at each other, and then they eventually do. Um, seeing Mikasa just kind of like relief, like her just moment of solitude that things feel normal. Mm-hmm was just so beautiful to see because even while the fight was going on like you can see her in the background just smile like her and Armin are smiling while everybody else is like cheering on or whatever right and they're just beating the living daylights at each other you know that Aaron can recover quick mm-hmm. and they made that dialogue afterwards too but it's just kind of like you know what everyone just have your moment because we don't know what tomorrow's going to be like but of course Levi making the flashy exit entrance as always and yep. just stomping the both of them to where they're throwing up on the ground it's like Everyone go to bed. Clean yep. us up. <laughs> yep. we would be so proud of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very flashy. Very flashy. Oh, man, that was, you know, I was even thinking as this was happening and the credits start to roll because they have, you know, I, I don't know why I can't ever remember their names, but the Colossal Titan, the Armor Titan. Bertolt Hoover and Reiner Braun. Yeah, so they got Reiner and Bertolt like sitting on Walmaria. Mm-hmm. And there's this uplifting moment of the scouts going up the wall and everyone cheering them on. Hey, Erwin, go do this for us. Go win for us. Levi, you got this. Be safe out there. Come on, scouts. Right. And they're talking about how like it's the first time in like scout history that they've ever been cheered on. Right. Like they're actually winning. They're actually progressing. They're they're making these steps for humanity. And we have three of our heroes. I think it was Jean, Connie, and Sasha, like, yelling back. Right. And the way that Irvin did it, I literally had goosebumps. Oh, yeah. He just gives that guttural roar. like (sighs) Yes, with the biggest (laughs) smile on his face, too. Yeah. 
It was great. And he's roaring. The rest of the scouts are roaring. Everyone's like in the town is roaring back at him. Like I had goosebumps. It was so beautiful. It was so uplifting. And then I was like, all right, something, something. Sorry, something shitty is about to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, they go through the credits. Everything's peaceful. Everything's nice. You're leaving on a good term. I'm like, all right, I'm ready to podcast. And then the music just gets like choppy. And blood keeps splattering on the screen. And it's so raunchy. And I'm like, no, no, no. What is <laughs> happening right now? It made me so uncomfortable. They kept scratching the music and putting blood everywhere. And like uh-huh. quick shots of like stuff that happens. And I was like, what on earth is happening? And then it goes to the scene of Levi in the middle looking at Aaron and Mikasa behind Levi. So he's kind of like sandwiched. And they're freaking out they're standing on a roof they're all bloodied up and they're just like do you to understand what you've done and punches Aaron and Mikasa pins down Levi with the sword to his throat pushing to cut it and right. then it just goes back to the music like nothing happened right <laughs> it's like you jerks why are you doing this to me? Why yeah. are you making me need therapy for a freaking anime that I'm not even caught up with? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I had to have any complaints about this like season arc, it's the fact that, you know, season two had so many revelations in terms of Bertolt and Reiner, and we didn't get to see anything of them this entire arc, but then we did get that little tidbit there. And then, yeah, just like you said, it's no context whatsoever. We know that the scouts are going on this mission, but something obviously goes very, very wrong. And to leave us off like that is somewhat cruel, (laughs) but at least it gives us something to anticipate and speculate uh, for the future. Yeah. You ready to go watch more? I certainly am. I guess the one thing that I wanted to <laughs> the one thing I wanted to bring up that uh, I felt like we kind of glossed over was, and I'm forgetting the name of the company, but we had that father and son duo, Flagel. I remember Flagel, but I don't remember the father's name. Um, that was a great whole little. It was great for Hanji's character just to be able to inspire him to take up the mantle and actually be a good leader, and the fact that he was there present and they provided a lot of that food um, that was for that dinner that we mentioned earlier. And when Irvin's giving that guttural roar, Flagel's right down there, like basically leading the the townspeople on in their, in their cheer for the scouts. Yeah, he's just, cheering on Hanji specifically. Yeah. And it's called the, uh, the Reeves company, <laughs> the Reeves company. There we go. There we go. Yeah. It's, it's sad the way that his dad was double crossed and I'm glad that he was able to, not only make it out alive and help the scouts, but to be able to take over the company and do it in a positive light, such as support of the people. Cause we do have the flashback to season one mm-hmm. where it was like blocking the entrance and Mikasa had to like bully his dad and uh, getting it out of the way so that the people could escape. And he did, you know, have a turn after that, but to be able to not only have a queen that's trying to help the people, but actually have the merchants do something too support everybody is it's a really positive step in the right direction yeah yeah so good good for the people of trust good for the reeves company um hopefully as we go into this next half of season three we'll get a little bit more from uh our titans our enemy titans as well as uh we didn't really talk about the beast titan but that's because he has been very absent from the 
absent from the proceedings, but I, I certainly hope he rears his ugly head again. Yeah. We're about to find out soon. Indeed. With that wrapping up part one, season three of Attack on Titan, is there anything that you need to plug, my friend? Um, not this week. I'll just, you know, plug the feedback that we got. If you would like to submit feedback like you heard earlier on the show, you can do so via email or an audio recording recording the best place to send that is animation deliberation podcast at gmail.com uh, we appreciate all the feedback we get if you do want to give us a five-star review that would certainly hope that would certainly help with the growth of the show um, and get us in front of that many more listeners so uh, with that in mind you can also give us a share if you think any of your friends are digging the show and would dig our coverage please do that for us so that's it for me this week uh, i'll just say thanks for tuning in that's t-o-o-n-i-n and the one thing that I got is I uh, started a TikTok that's called Zeus Quick Thoughts. That's Ooh. Z-U. And cool. I made a video talking about a non- non-spoiler of Batman. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten a lot of views and a lot of comments and likes and appreciation. So uh, if you want me to keep doing stuff like that and want to give me support, then yeah, check it out at Zeus Quick Thoughts on TikTok. Very cool. And as always, stay whelmed. Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. At Solomon Brothers Jewelers, their customers always come first. They're a family business that has been setting the standard of customer care for over 30 years. They have thousands of in-stock options for wedding bands, engagement rings, and loose diamonds, and can promise the lowest prices at the highest quality. A diamond marks a new chapter in your life. Trust Solomon Brothers experts with commemorating the most precious moments in your life. Visit SolomonBrothers.com today to begin making memories. Hello. This is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad. But not for your ears. For your feet. Are they listening? Good. Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude, good to go to. Right here in your neighborhood. Here's a little tale about hard-to-recycle plastics. Their destinies were changed. Their new lives are fantastic. What once was trash can live on as new things with a program that complements your regular recycling. plastics can be so much more. Give the trash a second chance it was hoping hard-to-recycle plastics can be so much more. Participate in the Hefty Energy Bag program happening in your neighborhood today. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the line's being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark. There's a highway that stretches across the 93 days of summer 
where worship isn't offered to the sun, but to the smoking tire, the S-curve, and the spin turn. And if you ride it, make sure you do it in a Dodge Charger, Challenger, or Durango. Because on this highway, the lines being blurred are the ones between drivers and demons. Welcome to Highway 93. Dodge is a registered trademark.